podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Dr. Nisha Manek, the author of Bridging Science and Spirit, the genius of William A. Tiller's physics and the promise of information medicine. Fascinated by the mysterious power of human intention to make things happen? Discover its real-world applications by exploring the breakthrough research of psychoenergetic science. Does the physics of consciousness have you scratching your head? Want to know how being intentional can improve your life? Ever wonder where science and spirituality intersect? As a protege of Dr. William A. Tiller, Dr. Nisha Manek is well-versed in the trailblazing scientists' cutting-edge research and theories. A former esteemed member of Mayo Clinic's Division of Rheumatology and an internationally recognized leader of integrative medicine, Dr. Maneg is at the forefront of innovative approaches to health and wellness. Now she's slicing through the scientific jargon with an insider's look into how intention will be the next big medical breakthrough. Nisha Maneg is an alumnus of Mayo Clinic's Division of Rheumatology and an internationally recognized leader of integrative medicine. In her commitment and dedication to innovative approaches to health and wellness, She seeks to synthesize and unify her work as a physician and scientist with spiritual inquiry and practice. Related to the subject of consciousness and healing, Nisha moderated HH 14th Dalai Lama's visit to Mayo Clinic in 2008. She is a fellow of the American College of Physicians and the Royal College of Physicians of the United Kingdom. Meet Dr. Nisha at nishamanekmd.com. Here is the interview with Dr. Nisha Manek. In your own words, who is Dr. Nisha Manek? Ah, Valeria, good to hear your voice and thank you for having me. Well, Dr. Nisha Manek is a medical doctor by profession. I'm also an author and a coach. I've just published my first book, Bridging science and spirit, the genius of William A. Tiller's physics, and the promise of information medicine. Yes, wonderful. And we will be exploring some of the topics in your book. So as I mentioned off record, I have a few warm-up questions. The first one is, what does it mean to be a human being to you? (laughs) (laughs) That is such a beautiful question. And I think I'm going to go to an aspect that I explore in Bridging Science and Spirit, which is the whole notion and question around consciousness, consciousness, okay? 
And this aspect of consciousness has mystified science. And I start there because there have been various scientists and uh, medical scientists who have explored this very deeply, but I think they're going the wrong way. I put towards, in my book, I discussed the very first aspect of consciousness from the perspective of Ernest Schumacher. And he was a British economist. And he said, you know, we've really got to look at the question of consciousness from levels of being. That means, and he gave four great levels of being, okay? There's a mineral level, we're made up of stuff, but it's not conscious yet. Then you have plant materials, which are growing. So there's an aspect, something new has come in. And as you ascend higher, you come to the animals. They have mineral, they're growing, but they're able to do something more than the plant doesn't do. Then the highest level of Schumacher's hierarchy is the man, mankind, you and me. We are able to not only have minerals grow, and move around, but we do something even greater. And that is thinkingness. Thinkingness, intelligence. You and I can create things. We create sentences and write books. Okay. So consciousness does things. It creates things. And it doesn't do just with the brain. And and I think the limitation of consciousness around brain imaging, I think, has led us down a very limited pathway because consciousness is beyond space and beyond time. It says existed. It's like the ground of existence. So I'm going to just hold back a little bit and give you a chance to reflect back. Consciousness. Yeah, I have lots of questions for you about consciousness. But before that, I have to ask you other questions <laughs> so we don't dive into that one without some basic understanding and clarity from your perspective, of course. So I have three questions about life. I know you sent me a quote that's uh, made me laugh. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That is true in so many levels. But Basically, what is life to you? Not the human experience, not what life is about, but what is life? For me, for Nishamanic, life is about evolving to higher and higher levels. And that means in, in many respects, unlearning, letting go of limited thinking, of limited patterns. Now, remember, I am a medical doctor and I come with a certain set of tools of certain ways of thinking about a human, their health and well-being, because health is everything. So I come with certain patterns and knowledge that I think will serve the other person well. And I have found that that is not always true. Okay, so science Medical science has gone down a certain pathway of understanding cellular mechanisms. We have compartmentalized the human into certain sections, the head, the heart, the lungs, the joints, the immune system in my case. So if we look at the whole box of chocolates, 
in science, we've divided up the box into certain segments. And then I look at just this certain section, this certain chocolate, and I hope that somebody else <laughs> will do the other parts and do, you know, do yeah. their thing and I'll do mine. Yeah. Thank you very much. But yeah. this fragmentation, this separation is so pervasive in our thinking and it isn't serving us well. And, you know, this silos and we now recognize it that we are creating more problems than we are solving okay so to me life is wholeness we have to bring holistic thinking somehow back to medical sciences and i'm going to stop there for a moment and help you you know if you want to reflect back the next one related to life is what do you think is the opposite of life? Well, the opposite of life is something that contracts, retreats, is incoherent. And that's a, a, a physics word I actually introduced in Bridging Science and Spirit. We, you know, in, in the physical sciences, energy is everything, matter is everything. This is where physical sciences have really put their focus on our instruments, our, our mathematics um, has been on matter and energy, but that's not the whole story. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we have to understand that uh, when, when we think of um, the opposite of life, it's not just death. It's not just you know, aspects of consciousness that are limiting, you know, anger, hatred, which are actually levels of consciousness. We are now going into some sort of scale and measurements. And so when we think of opposite of life, it's destruction. And here we are, we, we, if we go back to that analogy of a box of chocolates, we have uncertainties and uncertainties and randomness, okay? Randomness is incoherence, is disorder. And we're finding that despite all our regularities, all our scientific notions of, you know, uh, we're going to build this great big hospital, we're going to build all our laws of nutrition and all our laws of this, that, and the other, here comes a pandemic that has absolutely upset the apple cart, okay? Mm -hmm. Every single thing that we have carefully arranged has been disorganized, as has been thrown out the window. In fact, we've had to scramble really quickly to understand and make new laws. Wear a mask. Get your immune system up and stronger. Do social distancing. Now, those are not wrong because in the limited sense, we have to do those things for survival. But look at what has happened to our greater structures. They're completely disorganized. And that's what separate thinking sends us, okay? We, we still have to go to this, what is the wholeness underlying those principles? And, and that's where I think in my own physician mind, I was grasping at that, Valeria. I was saying, okay, so I give chemicals, I give drugs to this person, but what is the really the story here? Where is the wholeness in this person? And really I had to reach across and I realized that the truth, the truth that really serves us, that really serves us in evolutionary terms comes 
down to spirituality. Science does that too. It just doesn't say it. It just doesn't say it. It just doesn't say it. Physics comes the closest, actually, because physics started with particles and atoms. It's indivisible, right? It's the it's the ultimate building block, but that even the word building block separate (laughs) notions. And so physics now comes to the notion of fields, fields that are unbroken, an unbroken fabric and a continuum. And a continuum means what? Unbroken field where matter and energy interact, okay? They're not separate. They're coming in, interviewing, okay? So physics is actually closer to the truth I feel than biomedical sciences. We'll we'll get there eventually, but right now we're not there. We still think in systems. But there's an underlying reality that I'm going to bring in right now, Valeria, and that is information. Information. Consciousness, your intent, which is a tool of your consciousness, creates things. And what does creating things even mean? I just said it. I'm creating a sentence to talk to your listeners, to talk to you. So I'm bringing order back. From all this muddle of things, I'm creating an order of information to sort these things out, to sort this chocolate box, okay? All these things are separate. We don't know the essence of the inside of the chocolate, but underlying that separated notion is the fabric of that box. And even the word boxes is misleading. I want to bring in the concept of a continuum and which is the field. Since we are talking already, getting into the topic of consciousness, you have been talking about, let me ask you the question, what is consciousness and how is consciousness different from the mind itself, thoughts, energy, in all these words that we use, (laughs) so many of them. (laughs) This is a very profound question you're asking. Now, Consciousness, in in scientific terms, we do not have an agreed-upon definition. Conscious is not just being awake. You can have a conscious mind where we think, you know, I feel I can hear a sound, that you can hear me talking, okay? So that's the conscious mind. It grabs onto words, symbols. But there is a bigger thing at play, and which is the unconscious patterns, which is the more powerhouse of things being done. And, and the unconscious mind has is such a powerhouse, it absorbs so much impulses from our senses, from our childhood, from our unconscious pattern, and it feeds little kernels to the conscious mind. And whatever you give attention to, whatever you give meaning to, you then grab onto it. Otherwise, the information is dumped. A lot of people may listen to this and they, well, okay, but (laughs) so what? Okay, so conscious mind is something you give attention to and you give meaning to it. That's how I define mine. Then we come to this whole notion of thoughts. Thoughts. Thoughts in my mind, in how I define is, is intention. Intention is thought is formed. Okay, now you're going to create something. When we said hello to each other, then I said, I'm going to talk 
about myself. I'm going to introduce myself. That's giving form to this thing, this thing I call that you and I call Nisha. But that also is an abstraction because ultimately there is only a field and the field has taken shape that I call Nisha, that I call Valeria. Okay. So at the very fundamental level, it is still an abstraction. I hope I'm not losing you because I think I think when we have thoughts, we have mind, and then we have the consciousness, they are related, but the underlying reality is a field. And when we give enough intention, then we are we are giving shape to the we're concentrating the field into one thing, one thought one intention. And when you are chiseling that thought to a very fine laser-like point, which is coherent, now you have a chance to shape something, to create something that will endure, that will endure, whether it's art, whether it's the Mona Lisa, whether it's an equation, whether it's Nisha's book, Bridging Science and Spirit. It is a creative thing that will stand the test of time. People are going to look back to that, you know. I have long disappeared. I will have long, long <laughs> ago gone away and gone back into the into the memories. But that book, the concepts, will stand the test of time. Mm, true. That made me think about this uh, creating intention and the ego mind, this idea of the ego creating this identity of who we are and holding on to that. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, we worship the mind. In the Western, in the Western tradition, we worship the mind, and, and notice what we do: my mind, my thoughts. We give it specialness, right? <laughs> and then, and then we say private thoughts. And and in academia, we even worship the mind. We give it uh, awards and grants and monies, and yet, you know, like competition, publish or perish. <laughs> yet, fundamentally. The mind is impersonal. Just as I got up this morning, I didn't order my heart to beat. I didn't order my lungs to breathe. I didn't order my stomach to digest. And I don't order my mind to think it's happening of its own. And that fundamental truth, and that really, I had to loosen my hold into my private thoughts, my private, and Nisha doesn't have any of that. And that was a big gift to me to understand that my mind is already silent. What am I doing to trouble my mind? What are my patterns that I go and say, oh, this is mine, I own it, uh, you must pay me for this, you know, and all of that. It, it went away, it really loosened my hold on this, this notion of Nisha's mind is special and she's going to do this and that and the other. So if there's one message that I would give your listeners, it's this, your mind is already silent. And when you understand your mind, then you will naturally go into a meditative state. And when you go into a meditative state, now you can have a, a creative spirit that is so sharp, that is uniquely yours, okay? And even yours, again, you see, then you're, you're <laughs> plugged into the field. The yeah. field will fee feed you wonderful things, okay? Right, yeah. I love this idea of, 
the experience of whatever this is without ownership. That sounds really interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, we're not the doer. And that is the greatest mystical teaching, that it is um, the non-doer person. We don't have to own it. And once we do that, then we are able to take action, but without falling into the trap of the fruits of the action. Now, that's the greatest message of the Gita. And it also brings into this whole notion that I explore in Bridging Science and Spirit, which is one physicist at Stanford University decided to test his intention. And he wasn't putting it in a flask, you know, and putting chemicals in it. And no, he just said, I am going to sit quietly with myself and test my intention if it has the power to change something material out there. Okay. And he did that continuously, repeatedly, because in you want to show not only measurably that your thought, your sharpened intention can change something like water, then it does it measurably. And under what conditions does it do that? And then Tiller did something, William Tiller did something very, very fascinating. He said, when he crafted his, crafted his intention statement, he wrote something very interesting at the very end. He said, thy will be done. That's very powerful. Thy will be done. That is, God, your will be done, not mine, not Bill Tiller's will, not the funding agency's will, not the journal article or journal editor's will. No, thy will be done. That is saying, show me the truth of this. Show me the truth of my intention. And so I invite your listeners to, to pick up a copy of that book and go there. What does, and if one man can create the conditions in his lab to change something with, that, with just his intention alone, then what can we do? And that's what Master Jesus was saying all along. If I can heal something, if I can change something, and if I can do that, with the Father in heaven as my teacher, as my partner, then you can do these deeds and greater ones you will do. And I think in this age, that message is more urgent than ever before because we have retreated into ourselves, into our homes, in fear, in, in a state of collapse. Okay, every time I watch, I, I read the Wall Street Journal, of course I see the news and I want to see my practices closed right now and like everybody else. And I question, okay, so the space has come, the vacuum has been created. I have retreated like everybody else to safeguard other members of society, then what? And for Nisha, it has to become deeper in meditation, deeper and more urgent in this question of what it means to live, really live and to thrive. And also explore this question of how does Tiller link with the divine? What does that mean? What does that look like? And actually that's my second book. Speaking of the divine, let me ask you a question about God or the idea of God. What, where and who is God to you, Dr. Nisha? God is not a form. It's formless. 
It's a field. We've already introduced this notion of a field. It's an unbroken, absolute field of love. Now, love is either full on or it's an absence of love. And when there's absence of love, there's a limitation. That limitation shows up as hatred, as destruction, as let me put up a placard like, you know, I'm going to go and smash things. But love doesn't do that. Love doesn't judge, you know. Love simply is and it's impersonal. You don't need workshops of let me give give me five thousand dollars and I'll uh, I'll give you the secrets of the universe and I'll whisper them in your ear. I've taken those <laughs> workshops, by the way. Okay, so love exists all the time, and it's a field effect. And out of there emerges Nesha. Out of that field emerges Valeria. We are now talking to each other. So God isn't a form. It's a formless field, un, unmanifest. Out of there comes the manifest things, things we give labels to. Right. Yeah. Oh. I have a question about thoughts and imagination, also intuition. Are these all different? Do they have different qualities or somehow they are interconnected? I think they are connected, you know. When I had the first notions of writing Bridging Science and Spirit, there was the creative intuition side. I felt it. Then I went into the writing part of it, the intention to cold. And showing up at the desk was my intention showing up. Just my intention to block my calendar to be with Valeria today at 12.30 Pacific Standard Time was my intention. And that was three, three, what, three or two months ago. Yeah. So the intuition to uh, write the book was there. Then the intention takes hold, okay? And they serve each other. They serve each other. They're not siloed. They're not separate in that way. I hope I'm answering your question. Yes, you are. And imagination, would that be different than thinking? No, no, it doesn't. Imagination fuels thinking. In fact, it can power it up in quite beautiful ways. You can visualize. You can, uh, when, I, when I write, it is like, a, like an unbroken meditation, all right, mm, okay. or visualization. I actually am a visual thinker and Bridging Science and Spirit is very much a visual book because there are more than 60 illustrations. I think you have a copy of it. Yes. And so, yeah. yeah, so those doodles fueled the writing itself. So the imagination gave shape to the words, the language itself. So they're not separate. Okay, each feeds into each other. So visualization is imagination, is writing, and it's intention. Mm. They're all aspects of the creative side. And for some, the intention will take shape in pottery. For another, it's cooking a chocolate chip cookie. Right. For another, taking care of the body. You know, we, we are showing our intention in what we wear, in how we show up in the world. You show up and shine. 
Yeah, that's your that's one's tagline, actually, you know. So for me, it's for me, it's really showing up for, for my client, which are patients. And I show up with their history. What it does it mean to them? What do they think it means to them? And then we we create information around it. So we hear each other out. And yes, sometimes I prescribe chemistry. It doesn't mean I don't do that. Chemistry is information tied in, ter- in terms of molecular structure. That's informational. And in cer- certain terms, that information serves a certain kind of person. And it's my uh, role that I, I put my hat on as a physician and I look at that and I say, so here's what biology needs. Here's what the mental and emotional needs are. But here's what your intention could do. And what are your spiritual practices? So we go there too when it's appropriate. So we are doing all levels. We just don't do chemistry and say bye-bye. Do you see? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering what gets in the way of living a life every day, every moment with intention. What are some of the obstacles, Dr. Nisha? I think, you know, I really consciously created space in my life. What do I mean by that? I actually left certain things so that I could go and make my intention laser sharp. I created space to create the book. I wasn't in clinic. Okay. I I didn't do clinic for up to six months when I wrote the first draft of the book. So if your listener is willing to explore this question of intention, because intention is your power to create your life the way you want it to be, then let go of certain things. Just start there. You know, let go of Netflix or watching Mm -hmm. television and looking at your device for 10 minutes a day. I've let go of a lot of things. I'm not in my Facebook posts all the time. And so that created a, a lot of space. And now we do have a lot of space. We're not stuck in traffic. Mm, true. We are not, we're in Zoom meetings, but you can craft, look at your day and create the space. Do that first. That would be the first obstacle because we're in such a mad rush to add things on. I'll add this supplement on. I'm going to add this TV program on. I'm going to add this course on. I'm going to add another notebook on and another calendar. And maybe it'll sort my life out. Create the space. I love the way you connect intention to space, creating and removing things, not adding more. I love that. I have two questions for you that relate to being a female in a human body. Yes. <laughs> and the first one is, what do you love most about being a woman? Well, because I, you know, and I'm from Kenya. I'm from an Indian Hindu household. And there, you know, there's great deal of uh, respect and space actually given Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. to nurture my intellect, my creative side. And I can tell you that this spirituality was instilled in me as a child. And in the Hindu household, the female aspect of divinity is given great deal of love. Okay, Lakshmi, Durga, 
<laughs> Parvati. Look at the, even the names, okay? Yeah, yeah. So I could go with that notion. And then I, I left my home, my childhood home. And I left when I was quite young, when I was a teenager. And I came to America to get education. and But I brought those beautiful attributes with me, that power of creativity and of curiosity. And so I'm not limited in my thinkingness. Those those female principles were my springboard. And that's what is so lovely. I can stand in the light of my truth and I make no excuses for it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I'm in a man's world. And believe me, Valeria, I was in a man's world at Glasgow University. And you know, my graduating class, 1991, was the first time in that medical school's history, that it was 51% female. They even celebrated it. They said, we've never had a majority female, okay? And then I entered a man's world in medicine. And in the Mayo Clinic, it was still a man's world, but they gave me respect and I could shine. I could make my voice heard. I gave my creativity, my point of view and perspective of integrative medicine, which is where I really started to investigate this whole beautiful notion of subtle energies of the human body, the consciousness aspect. Why don't we talk like that in medicine? But I told you already, we we tend to silo our thinking, our building blocks. And I don't think that's the way to go about it. But I brought my female aspect and my voice <laughs> to science. Yeah. I love your confidence, yeah, your heartfelt confidence. <laughs> Make no excuses about who you are or what you are. Mm, right, right. How beautiful. And speaking of challenges, what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? You know, I haven't found any. <laughs> I really haven't. For me, life is so full of possibility that I am absolutely joyful. I am meeting life head on. To be put put another way, living joyously is benevolence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Life is benevolent. Mm. It is full. And once you know that, then even this pandemic, even the destruction, you look at it and you choose something different. Life is full of choices. Be aware, be awake, and make your choices with great awareness. Have discernment. Have discernment and know that you're choosing and make no excuses. Do not play the victim in anything. Yeah. Right. Oh, I love that answer too. Not that we should ignore or not talk about the challenges because they are challenges. Yes, but you choose differently. Mm, yes, we choose not to be limited by these challenges, right? Absolutely, we're unlimited. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's one thing I want also to emphasize here, Valeria, for your listeners is this, your thoughts, and again, I'm, I'm already saying your thoughts because I've already said you shouldn't own anything, mm-hmm. but your intention is a source of so much power if you only knew that. And that single fact has yet to dawn on millions and billions of people on this globe. And that's why Tiller's physics smashes everything I held to be limited thinking. And we have to let our guard down. 
It's important now more than ever. We need to evolve faster from Homo sapiens to Homo spiritus. Mm, We're spiritual beings. We must stop all this nonsense of little (laughs) people crawling about, you know. So I have to ask you this question too. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Oh, that is wonderful. Because once you know the power of your intention, now you have the freedom to choose with awareness. That brings you inner freedom. And that inner freedom is peace. Peace that passes all understanding. So no matter what turmoil is going on around you, you are in charge. And that is inner freedom inner freedom, nothing to do with outer conditions. I'm talking about the inner mind, inner quality, inner position. It's an inner mudra. You might have heard of the word mudra. Mudra means it's a position that you take on with the body to enhance the efficiency of your body's movement and energies. But that can be with psychology. Okay, so I think for me, Tiller's physics and writing and and going away and creating the space in my writing and leaving medicine for a little bit has created great freedom for me and great voice in me, you know, and and so I can I can speak and I can stand in my light and own it. I love that. (laughs) How empowering it is and what a great uh, reference for all of us. Yes, yes. Thank you for being there. We need that reference. (laughs) (laughs) But all all of your listeners have that power too. They just Mm. have to go and start. They have many tools available to them. Breathing, spiritual tools, scripture. It's there. It's it's age old. Why do we have to even think in mysterious terms? It's always there. All these tools, you know? Yes, yeah. So I have one more question for you before I ask you about Bill Tiller. How did you meet him? How did you start working with him? But before that, let me ask this one. What is your own definition of the word genius? (laughs) Genius is connecting things that are not obvious. And for me, Tiller connected consciousness with the physical law of science. And he showed, he showed mathematically they're connected. You see, in medical science, consciousness has always thought to be the brain. And Tiller says, Mm-mm-mm, that's not true. And he's right, because consciousness is not locked in a spacious way, in a spatial way within our skulls. And Tiller says, consciousness is a field effect. And if you have to go there, then we can ask the question, the next question, that's the genius part, connecting consciousness with energy. Can it be a source of energy? And energy is thermodynamics, okay? And he showed that your intention, once you chisel it, is a source of energy to do more work. Imagine that. Imagine your intention being a resource that continually provides all the time. You're shaping more, bigger things changing more things. Now you're you're shaping, and I make more intention. I'm writing an intention almost every week, new intention, 
Absolutely. <laughs> and in fact, I wrote an intention today. In fact, I have an appointment in about half an actually 15 minutes. And so we're, I'm going to run for my appointment. So the genius that Tiller brought was this whole notion, don't get locked into the brain. And once you do that, you're unbounded. And then he brought the other ingenious thing. When I looked at objects, I thought there's a rock and a plant and so what? But he says, make no mistake about it. Even things you call inanimate can be alive, can have consciousness. Objects can be conscious. And it really opened up a whole new perspective because I used to look at him like, what are you talking about? (laughs) He is right. He is right. And that's where your listeners, I hope, pick up a, you know, a copy of Bridging Science and Spirit. Yeah. So everything is alive and consciousness is not localized. It is not localized. Yes. Well done. Thank you. He said one of his quotes uh, says, science is a way of self-knowledge. Oh, yes. You know, and that came out, you know, when I met Tiller, um, you know, here's a physicist and I'm a doctor and I read his paper around subtle energies and I was very much interested about the character of the subtle energies of the body. And the medicine does not have a have a definition. It doesn't have a framework, frankly speaking. I told you we think in 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 silos like a heart, a brain, a lung, and we we go and study that organ system and we call ourselves experts. And it doesn't serve the whole human and I and I think we really We really have to be careful. And anyway, so I'm looking at this question of subtle energies and I ran into Tiller's paper, which I frankly did not understand. It's equations, but something in me was moved. And that's where intuition plays, right? I didn't understand it, but I paid attention that something really speaks to me. So I I I wrote to him and finally he relented. I was very persistent. My intention here (laughs) was that I'm going to meet this man. And and I did in Scottsdale. I was giving a lecture for the Mayo Clinic in in Arizona. And I said to Tiller that, you know, I'm coming there. Can you not meet with me, please? And he said, okay, let's meet for dinner. And that's when I met with him. And I realized this is a genius beyond anything. He's a scientific uh, giant. It's like meeting Charles Darwin or Einstein for dinner. And he he was a spiritual, you know, giant as well. He was a meditator and he had connected concepts, science and spirit in ways that I thought, wow, wow. I have been looking for this. He has found it. I need to go here. That's how I met Tiller. What a great collaboration work. Yes, it was. It was a great collaboration. I've been very fortunate. Yeah, talk to me for a moment about consciousness, uh, mind continuation, reincarnation. Yes, you know, the indestructible part of us, our soul self, does not die when, when this physical body is dropped, okay? It's a fact. And the Buddha's relics, and I talk about uh, my research into the relics of the historical Buddha, uh, which, uh, you know, his uh, relics exist today. He died 2,600 years ago, and yet his consciousness never died. It is 
continuing. And so um, the essence of us, the soul self of Valeria and Nisha does not die when Nisha goes away or is physically ceasing to be. That soul self goes on to its next bio biobody suit, its net next physical existence. And many masters, many lives, you know, there've been many recollections now uh, in scientific field that really give um, uh, life, give more data, if you will, to this whole notion of reincarnation, many bodies, many lives. We just don't remember them. You and I have amnesia for our previous lives, but Buddha gave gave notion to it. Krishna talks about it, so they're very, very uh, they, they are fundamental facts of existence. Yeah, when you talk about different levels of consciousness, and that might be it. It, it is, but look at Christ consciousness and look at Krishna consciousness, a consciousness that is so full on love yeah. <laughs> from that absolute field comes here and leaves us changed forever. And their truth tests, uh, stands the test of time. Imagine that. Science will keep changing. We'll, <laughs> yeah. build, we'll build bigger <laughs> models and this and this, but Krishna and Christ will stand. True, so true. Yes. <laughs> I have a few more questions before that. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Well, like I said, I would love for your readers to pick up a copy and explore the questions that we have talked about today, about consciousness, about levels of consciousness, about this field of love, about uh, the non-separate, the interrelationships of things. Um, just having those concepts already frees you. We've talked about inner freedom. Okay, so all of those are there. All of those are there in the bridging. Yeah, in bridging yeah. sounds and spirit. Thank you so much for your work, Dr. Nisha. Yeah, thank you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? No. Oh, I, and in fact, I experiment every day. I lie down and say, this is it. Mm. And I'm very joyful. Ah, I love that. I love to hear that. I think everybody's so sorted out. I've done my thing. Bye-bye. Right. Yeah. And joy has a lot to do with it. Yeah. With that understanding, that deeper inner peace and understanding. Right. Yes. I, I, I have no attachments. And my last question is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's nishamanekmd.com. So N-I-S-H-A-M-A-N-E-K-M-D.com. Nishamanekmd.com. So people might find me. They do a little bit of searching for my services as a physician, and I will be opening up more and more telemedicine. So I'm sort of pivoting more and more towards that. It's by special request only for now. Uh, so people have to write to me through my website and say, can I have an appointment? And I will certainly do that on a case-by-case -case basis. So I hope they reach out, but most of all, I hope they read this book and that their that their minds are expanded. That would be a big gift. Right. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much again for your presence, your wisdom. Valeria, you've been such a gracious host. <laughs> you. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Nisha Manek and her work, please visit nishamanekmd.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.